0: Hey church, I'd love, I know this is a bit out of the ordinary and not quite on the run sheet, but I'd love for our worship team just to come back and I'll explain why. Hopefully they haven't gone too far away, but uh, I'll give them a bit of time to get back. Dale, you can carry on playing. Last night we, uh, we had a barbecue, a first barbecue at our house. In, uh, in Canada last night. And, and I love barbecues. I love getting around the fire pit. I bought a new fire pit. I was so excited about that. I love being in that vi- environment. I love the smell of a barbecue. I love the smell of, of burning wood. And what I don't like is how it lingers. So I, t- I get in and I have a shower and I put my clothes and I put them in the wash straight away. But that, you know how the smell just lingers on you, it gets on you there's an account in the new testament and it's actually in all four gospels which shows you how important it is it shows you that that actually god wants us to get a hold of this and it's not if it's only in one gospel it's less important but there's something about this account that that just it's amazing and it's a, an account of when mary goes to jesus and she she's in this house and and there's different different Ways and different versions of it, and and I love that because it's it's like something stands. If you're looking at something in the middle, and then you get this round perspective, and everyone has a different view of it, but it's all of the same thing, And, and it's a bit like this account, and this woman comes in and Jesus is there teaching, and she gets this alabaster, this beautiful jar of perfume, and in this moment of worship, she breaks. This jar. She breaks it over Jesus' feet. And this jar, there's so many, there's so many different ways of looking at it. It's really, really expensive. But this woman is, she knows Jesus, but she's been a broken woman. And she comes to Jesus and she breaks what's most valuable to her and she pours it over his feet. And, and the account in John is amazing. And it said, the fragrance of the perfume filled. The room. Do you know when we worship, it's a bit like that? When we worship, there's a fragrance that touches not only ourselves but touches the room around us. And I, I want us to sing Waymaker again. Because I, as I was stood there, worshiping and in the ordinary, and I want to talk a bit more about that, but I, I love the phrase that, that Paul used at his dad's funeral yesterday, the ordinarily miraculous see, for many of us, we've come in and we expect the four songs, don't we? And we sing, and sometimes that first song can be the song that warms us up. But you see, our worship goes beyond just the singing. You see, when we, we worship, and there's people in this room that have worshipped from their brokenness. They've worshipped today. When many of us, life, I, I'm enjoying life, but there's people in this room, and you are worship, and online as well. It's almost like there's something that you've had to take and break to be able to worship. And I want us to sing this remembering that, see, when we worship, the fragrance of our worship fills the room. And the interesting thing is, is that that perfume would have been thick in the air. It would have got on their clothes because it would have splashed. And it would have splashed on people that probably weren't even interested in what Jesus was saying but just wanted to come to criticize. But her worship touched them. And they would have carried their worship out of that room and and people would have smelt her worship on the people that weren't even interested. See, when we worship... It's not just about singing a song, and I know I get into that. It's part of my job. I come here, and I raise my hand because that's, it's my duty. But each of us needs to remember as we worship, something significant happens. You see, the beauty of our worship touches us. It, we carry that smell into our world tomorrow. And I want you to stand to your feet and maybe... Maybe if you're those one or two people that are worshiping from that place of brokenness today, remember, it's not just about you, but it is about you. Stand to your feet, church. You see, as you walk out of this room, the beauty of your worship in brokenness will be taken out of this room. People won't know what it is, but they'll smell something on you. Like the barbecue last night, I carried that smell. I can still smell it. I don't even know if it's on me. But there's something about our worship. Not just singing a song. Think about the words, he's a way maker. Maybe that's what you need. The next song... We're not going to sing the next song, but I love, great is your faithfulness. You see, when we are faithless, he is faithful. And if we're a follower of Christ, I want us to maybe worship in a way that the smell of our worship is carried into our tomorrow. Are you ready to worship, church? I want us to sing this song again, and then I'm going to come back and preach the Word of God. Thanks, team. Why don't you grab your seats? Can yet again, I say, welcome home. And I, I hope somewhere along the line, I don't know. I don't know if I want it to become ordinary, but I want it to become the thing that you begin to believe. We don't just come to church. This is home. And the more we express that, the more we outwork that, the more God makes his home here in this place. That's what Ephesians 2 tells us, that as we are unified, as we are as one, God makes his home in this place. So it's not only, it's not only our home, it's God's home as well. So welcome home. Welcome home to those of you that are online at the moment and even throughout the week. This is still home for us. Welcome home to those of you that are in the room. And I I want to believe for me that this is a new series that we're starting. And I, I, I want to believe that today this message is going to bring freedom to those of you that need it, if you allow God to change or speak to you and change you. I think as followers of Christ, we need to come with that attitude every single week. We need to come to, God, what do you want to say to me today? What do you want to speak to me today? Come hungry. Come knowing that as we are hungry, as we are thirsty, God wants to do something in our lives. If you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, for whatever reason you're, you're in this room, someone's invited you, I want you to know that at the end of this message, and those of you online as well, but at the end of this message, you'll be given an opportunity to step into what we know is new life, forgiveness, love, acceptance. Not just become a member of a church, but become a... A new person. That's what church is about. It's not about attending a service and singing some songs and listening to someone at the front talk. It's about community. It's about new life. And really over the next few weeks, those of us that are speaking are going to be talking about that. The message, sort of giving you a bit of a heads up, is called Faithful Presence. And all the the aspects of that about church, about God, about us being and having a faithful presence. In a couple of weeks' time, we're doing this, we're doing what we call our drive workshop. And it's not just a thing that we come along to to be trained in how to do something, it's actually looking at who we are as a culture the circle way. This is us and this is how we do things around here. Personally, I love those moments. I love those type of meetings, days, evenings, whatever they are, because it gives me chance and it gives the team chance to to reinforce who we are and what God is doing and what God wants to do through us. So I'm looking forward I think it's the second of october i'm looking forward to that day get it in your diary whether you're on team or not come along i loved on the first the first tuesday i was here and we were getting ready for that first sunday we had i think it was four of our four of our senior ladies come along to the worship team and they they added so much but they also learned so much just being part of this environment as well I want to encourage you, come along on that day. It's not just a thing about numbers. It's about saying, this is who we are. So, before we get into the word, why don't you just stand with me for a moment as we pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this time that we have together. And I pray that as we come hungry... Lord, that you would fill us. I pray that as we have worshipped, some of us making the sacrifice of worship out of brokenness, God, that you, that you will bring healing, that you will bring wholeness. And I pray that each of us as we've worshipped and we've listened to your word and allowed it to seep into our lives, God, I pray that, that we will carry the essence, the smell of our worship and those around us into our world on Monday. I pray that we will be changed because of what we've heard and sung and seen and been part of today. Amen. Why don't you grab your seats? Get your notebooks ready. Can I encourage you if you don't do that already? Get your notebooks or your phones out and prepare to take notes. Every now and then there might be something that you want to go away and a scripture that you want to read again have those ready to take notes. So quite a few years ago, our eldest daughter started junior high. She was, I think, 11 at the time. The school system is slightly different, so I was trying to work out the ages, but she was 11 at the time, and she started secondary school, which was a bit further away. Secondary school, as we call it. And uh, she had to get a bus to school. And so I walked her down to the bus stop. And uh, as we were walking, we were just chatting. And, and she said to me, would you mind if you had to walk me to school every day? Now I'm thinking, a week? You know, that's, that's a bit inconvenient. But she was sort of implying that I had to walk her to school till she was 18, now, it's not quite as long as a mortgage. But it would have taken me past my 50th birthday, which I can see in the distance now, a long way in the rearview mirror. But, but it would have taken a long time for, for us to get there. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to commit to that timescale at the time. You know, that's, that's a lot of walking to the bus stop. And in a world where time is money... And we want results now, and waiting, stickability, faithfulness, patience. They've actually become outdated in so many ways. That was a long-term commitment to family. But she asked me that question, and it caused me to think about it so much. In a couple of weeks' time, or a few weeks' time, I'm actually going to be having an official installation Now, I thought an installation is what you did with windows or an air conditioning unit, but it's something you do with pastors as well, so I've been informed. Hopefully, they're not going to set me in concrete somewhere, Um, but I'll be having an official installation, and Bernie, the Reverend, Dr. Most Reverend Archbishop Bernie Vandervaul, our denomination district boss is going to be coming along. He's going to be speaking, and I'm actually excited about this because he's going to be unpacking a bit of his testimony as well. But he's going to be coming along and installing me as the new lead pastor here officially. But the thing is, this building was opening its doors for worship a long time before anyone knew of me, or many of us were actually even here. In fact, this this church community has been in Saskatoon longer than many of us were even thought of. Our church has been a faithful presence in this city since 1933. And this building has been a faithful presence in this local community, which was nothing when it was first built. But on this spot since 1979, we've been feeding people, providing a place of refuge, being a light in the community. At times, 2,000 people have been packed into this auditorium for different things. I don't know if you know, but where we are right now, this whole area was just a farmer's field. But he he had this prompting from God to go and talk about building a building in this place. This became our home. It took time. It didn't happen in an instant. It didn't happen overnight. This this is our building. And over the past few years, and probably till it falls down, we've been making repairs, finding new leaks, and trying to continue making it fit for purpose. I know that Sherry, her continuing headache day after day is... Which leak is going to be be found next? Which bit of the roof do we have to fix next? And she's doing an incredible job, along with a few other people, trying to make sure that that happens. But we continue to try and make it fit for purpose. And just because it needs work doesn't mean to say we abandon it. It means that we care for it, invest in it. And change it gradually to ensure that it lasts, who knows, another 10, 15, 20 years. We don't know, but we work on it. Is it a challenge? Absolutely. Just talk to Sherry. Is it frustrating? Just talk to Sherry. Is it costly? Talk to anyone that's dealing with our finances. Is it slow? Yes. Yes. But is it worth it? Absolutely. You see, to have a faithful presence, and that's the title of this series that we're going to be looking at over the next month or so, is a challenge. It is frustrating. It is costly. It is slow. But let me say, it is worth it. We are simply here to continue what was started And in faith, grow it. And the only way we can do that is to engage with our world. To be a faithful presence in our world, in Saskatoon, in Stonebridge, and in surrounding areas. This faithful presence thing is being around a long time. Sometimes you have to be around a long time to make significant change. In a world that wants instant access and has instant access to information, we order our products for next day delivery. I ordered a dog brush for our dog. If you've been to our house, he sheds all over the place. I don't know how he has hair left. Because we hoover it up, and there seems to be more hair in the vacuum cleaner than he has on him. Yet, the next day, we can do it, and there's the same amount of hair, and he's still there with hair. So I ordered this. I was trying to think, how on earth did I get to our dog being hairy and shedding? I ordered this dog brush. And I ordered it on, in, on Amazon Prime. And I looked at it, and I ordered it on Thursday. And I'm thinking, Amazon Prime, it's next day delivery. No, it came yesterday, Saturday. How dare they take an extra day to get my hair, br- not my hairbrush, Cooper's hairbrush, to us. But we order our products for next day delivery. We demand instant results. We order our pizza, and they better be here within 45 minutes, or we get it free. We stipulate for global change now. But have we lost the understanding that some some things necessitate time? The church has been around and been a faithful presence in our world for 2,000 years or more. Yes, we've messed it up in that time. But despite what some people would try to portray, we have proved our worth Over the seasons. I'm not denying what we the church have done wrong. But many people gloss over the many countless faithful things that have been done. Over many many years and highlight the few things. Yes they cause major problems in people's lives. But the church has done so much good. We have been a faithful presence in our community, and in the world around us through the Word of God, through the witness and testimony of our changed lives, your life. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but being in your workplace, being in your university or school, people see gradual change over a period of time. And when their life hits the fan... See, they want to know, how is it that you survived? How did you cope? It's not about having a perfect life. It's not about not having things go wrong. It's about when things go wrong, as Jesus said they will do. How do you cope? How do you, how do you, how is it that you maintain who you are? Yes, we hit mental health problems and anxiety and all of that sort of stuff, but how is it? that you're still here through the witness and testimony of our changed lives, through our work in our local communities, through the, the welcome environment in our church services. You see, we welcome each other, but we also welcome the presence of God. And now we have our welcome online as well, and there are people through online. And can I encourage you, just drop a hello and an amen and whatever in the chat as you're watching. We welcome people who walk through our door or visit us online, but we also welcome the presence of God. We invest in each other and we particularly invest in the next generation. We serve each other and we, in doing so, we serve the church. We encourage each other. I loved, talked about this earlier, but I loved Paul's description of his dad at the funeral yesterday. And Paul, Paul told this story, and even he said, I don't know why I thought about this. But he, just, he told this story of his dad who came to his house. They had a lot of concrete in their yard. And he told this story of how his dad would just come every day and chip away at the concrete and take buckets away, and then he'd come the next day. See, there's nothing spectacular in that. There's nothing nothing huge or momentous about that. But why would he tell it? Because I believe it showed the faithful presence of his dad. The ordinarily miraculous. You see, to get rid of concrete, yeah, you could explode it. But you'd probably take the house and everyone with it. It takes someone who says, I'm here for the long haul. I'm here just to chip away. Too many times we want the sensational, don't we? We want the explosion. We want the the miraculous, miraculous. But often it's just chipping away in the ordinary. In a world that demands the sensational, we are called to be ordinarily miraculous. And when we do that, we're actually... We become so Christ-like. Let me read Philippians 2 5 to 8. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. See, what we read from that simply is that Jesus engaged with his world. He didn't come in in splendor. He didn't come in as a a king riding on a horse in a palace, he came in as a baby in a stable, and he engaged with the world around him. He got involved in the mess of the world. He got his hands dirty. How about you think of it? We, we are now looking at 2,000 years of church history. But you know what Jesus did? He changed a few lives around him. That's simply all he did. He Don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? He did not change the world. Yes, he changed the whole redemptive process. He changed how we relate to Father God. He, With his death and resurrection, he placed us in right standing of God. But as a man, as the man God, all he did was change a few lives around him. I don't know if you know a a guy called John Maxwell. He's one of the leadership gurus of the world Tony Robbins changes, he does these massive, they're a bit like church services, but just positive mental attitude, changes hundreds and thousands of lives. Jesus didn't do that. In fact, when he gathered, hundreds, when he gathered thousands, most of them walked away because he said some hard stuff. He just changed a few lives around him. He didn't change the world, he just changed his world. He didn't he didn't complain that his human rights had been violated. He just demonstrated God's love for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, while we were yet while we were still sinners Christ died for us. Jesus came into the mess of humanity. He changed a few lives around him. Yes, that had repercussions through eternity and down through history. But at that time, all he did was change a few lives around him. And he demonstrated his love for us. Jesus didn't bring revolution. That's... That's what his disciples wanted him to do. Particularly when we look at extra-biblical history and and stuff like that, we we begin to realize that that's what Judas was trying to get Jesus to do. To create revolution, to raise an army, but Jesus didn't do that. He changes lives through evolution. We want revolution. We want a quick fix. Let's legislate. Bring in some new laws. Jesus was clear that he hadn't come to topple governments and create a new world order. He didn't come to create a new Christian political party and take over the government. He came to change people's hearts through faithful presence. That's what Jesus did and continues to do today. The gospel tells us that Jesus looked on the city, Jerusalem, and he loved that city. And he looked on the crowds that followed him, and he looked on them with compassion and love. Can I ask us, will we do the same? Will we look on the, on the crowds that are around our city and, and our city itself, and we will, will we look on them with compassion and love? Or will we play the blame game? The division game that the world so wants us to to crawl into at this very moment in time. Whether it's politics or whether it's COVID issues. We're not in that. Can we look with compassion and love and respond in the same way? You know, we know... Only about three or four years of Jesus' ministry. That's all we know about him. We know snippets of his birth. We know, we know when he was 12, there's, a, there's an account of him going to, te- to the temple. We don't know much else. We know three years. But did you know that Jesus was a faithful Jewish man for 30 years before that? See, he had a, a faithful presence in his hometown and in his community. Oh oh that's Jesus he's just the carpenter's boy they knew him he was a faithful presence there will we be the same sometimes being anonymous sometimes just serving faithfully with no recognition unfortunately at different times, the church has had an attitude of, let's defend against the bad people. Or, or we've become so completely relevant, and I'm not talking about styles of music. It has nothing to do with the style of music or lights or haze or anything like that. But we've become so aligned with the culture of society that there is no difference. People don't want something that's the same. People are looking. It may challenge May challenge their hearts, it may challenge their behavior, but people in our city and in our country want a church that is different. Have we become so relevant? So relevant that we don't look any different. I love the stories of Hudson Taylor, some of the incredible missionaries that have gone before. Hudson Taylor completely changed the view of how missionary work had been, should be done. He, he was a missionary to China and, and he went in and many of the missionaries would, would live in these little compounds and they'd stay there and they'd never venture out apart from almost like evangelistic drive-bys. Fire the gospel at people as they, as they walked by. Yet Hudson Taylor Got out of the compound, he changed his clothes. He, he, he dressed like the Chinese would dress. He learned the Chinese language. And he lived with the Chinese people because he knew to actually reach them, he needed to be a faithful presence in their community, to understand them, to live like them. It wasn't a drive by evangelism, it was a faithful presence that he brought. And I'm not not making this a political message by any stretch of the imagination, but I believe sometimes as Christians we have fought the wrong battle against people. We've made enemies when we didn't need to. We've made enemies of the very people we are called to liberate. How can you liberate an enemy? We come alongside we've often placed ourselves on the edge of society and shouted at people from the sidelines now i would i do realize that most of us would say that there is something wrong with where we are as a society but we have been fighting and trying to destroy instead of trying to repair and rebuild isaiah 58 says this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins, will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Do you know right now your neighbor, your neighborhood, our society needs a church and needs followers of Christ who rebuild, who raise up, who repair, who restore. See, this this takes time. It takes commitment. It takes servanthood. It doesn't take standing and trying to destroy something. It takes a faithful presence to do that. Many of us will have heard of William Wilberforce. But did you know that he began his fight against the slave trade and slavery in 1787? It took him 20 years in the UK to finish the slave trade. It took him 46 years to see slavery abolished. You see, there was another 26 years when, yet yeah, the slave trade finished, but slavery was still happening to our brothers and sisters. 46 years. He committed to be a faithful presence, not just a quick fight. And all this time, he continued to serve his country in politics. He's remembered as the leader of the abolitionists, but he didn't do it alone. We don't do it alone as a church. Look around. This is our community. This is who we do faithful presence with. Are you still with me, church? We need to be present and commit to the decades, not to the weeks or to the few years. I want my children to eventually bring their grandchildren to this place. The building might not be here, but we will have a faithful presence in this community. Not here for a quick fix. We're here for the long haul. Faithful presence has a community view and a personal view. The personal view, it's about us as individuals, in our families, in our workplaces. The Bible talks many times about perseverance, keeping going, fighting the good fight. Paul, Paul, at the end of his life, or very near the end of his life, says, I've been poured out as a drink offering. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. He ran the race. He lasted for the years as an individual. But there's also a community aspect about it. We Excuse me, we the church, we make disciples, not just have lights and loud music. We're called to bring evolution, not revolution. Yes, we want to be relevant. We want to have a relevant message, but that's just communicating the gospel in a way that people understand. We don't become like them, but we use a language that helps people understand what we're trying to say. This Jesus that we love can do something in their life as well. It's easy to stand and shout against institutions and try to bring change by boycotting vicious blogging or protests. And often we strive for power over instead of a serving under. Let me go back. What did Jesus do? He took on the nature of a servant. See, he committed himself to serve under, not have power over. When we have a faithful presence... It will transform the city around us. I encourage you to go away and read Matthew 5, 13 to 16 in the message version. It talks about us being salt and light. I love it because it talks about God flavors and God colors, colors. Flavor that doesn't empower, overpower, sorry. We have a cultural presence, not a taking over. Jeremiah 29, 4 to 7. This is an incredible verse or passage of Scripture. And it it leads on to Jeremiah 29, verse 11, where it it talks about, you know, I know the plans I have for you. But many of us use that as individuals, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you must read what comes before it. It says this, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all of those I've carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon... Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Do we love our city? Do we pray for the shalom, the community, the prosperity of our city? Because as we do that, the city will begin to prosper as well. Do we have an investment and long-term view of what we're doing? Investing in the future of what we're part of? Too often we've politicized and legislated or tried to legislate for Christianity. And we need a spiritual revival, not a political takeover. We need to live in our community and serve it, as the passage that we've just read has said. We need to engage with our society. We're called to live alongside, to bring shalom. And you may be here thinking, "Ah, that sounds all well and good for you church people, but my life right at this moment is in a mess. Can I remind you, Faithful presence isn't just what we are. Faithful presence is who we have within us. You see, Jesus is also a faithful presence in our lives. He is the great repairer. He is the great restorer. He is the great rebuilder. And let me tell you, He raises you up. I expected a bit more response than that. Because there are some people in this room who are living in the brokenness of what's happened during COVID, living in the brokenness of job loss, family loss, living in the brokenness of mental health issues, physical health issues. Let me read it again. Because you need to hear this. I need to hear it. We need to hear it. Jesus is the faithful presence in our lives. He is the great repairer. He is the great restorer. He is the great rebuilder. And he raises you up. As a church, we can't do everything, but we must do something. The city needs not just you and me as individuals, but it does need us as the church. The city needs this church living life forward, not backward. Do you know, as we get older, it's easier to view life backwards. Because as we get older, we have so much more behind us than in front of us. But what did that last, the song that was last in the set of four say to us? The best is yet to come. We can can believe that we've lived our best life. Maybe some of you older people, maybe some of you if you're online watching and you're in our circle care home, circle place, you're thinking the best is yet to come. I don't believe that for you. I believe that God can still have your best days yet. We need to live like there is so much more In front, the city needs not just you and me as individuals, but it needs us as a church. It needs our faithful presence. Not standing on the sidelines complaining about this, complaining about how bad things are, but living like Jesus. He didn't come to power over. He came to serve under, to be a faithful presence, to get involved in the mess of our society, to bring change not through political means, but through love and compassion, through serving. Imagine if we commit to see our city changed. Not through revolution, but through repair, restoring, rebuilding, and revival. We can only do that through being a faithful presence here. This church, our church, is a faithful presence in our city. But let's remember that Jesus is also a faithful presence in our church. He's also a faithful presence in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I pray God for every single person that's within hearing of this word that something will have stirred within us. Something, something God will have challenged us. I pray for those that are thinking of just stepping out. Stepping out of their marriage. Stepping out of Fatherhood, stepping out of this church, stepping out of whatever God has called them into, whatever vow or commitment they've made. But God, I pray that you will draw them back in gently as you do. But you will call us back to being a faithful presence. And God, I pray that you will continually remind us day by day, hour by hour, moment by by moment, God, that you are the faithful presence in our lives. You are the restorer, the repairer, the builder. You are the one that raises us up.
1: In the name of Jesus, amen.